Right. Last week we, we looked at chapter 13 of Numbers, didn't we? And we saw that God had given the, the Israelites the promised land. They had been told to go in and take the land because God had already given it to them. He promised it and he said, in fact, go up and take it because it's yours. But they didn't. Instead, they came to the entrance to the promised land and instead of going up, they said, no, we're going to have to send in spies to check whether really what they were saying was they disbelieved God and they wanted to check up on whether what God had said about the land was right. God had never intended, as we saw last week, that they should have been spies. But the people had moaned and groaned so much that Moses had said, right, we'll send in spies. And God said, let them send in spies. And why, when they came back, when they came back with the reports, and we saw how they brought a bad report, they said that it was a bad land. The fruit was all right, but the, there were giants there, and they had difficulties, and they didn't go in. And in Hebrews it says the reason why they didn't go in. In Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 19, it says, and going back to 18, verse 18, it says, And to whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest? but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. They didn't believe God, so they didn't go into the promised land. And the result was when they came out, there was doubt, there was resentment, there was actually open rebellion against Moses and Aaron. They, they rebelled against them, and we'll see that next week when we look in the next chapter. They were walking by sight they wanted tangible proof that what God had said was real it wasn't enough for them to take God's word for it and that in the Christian life we are told that we should walk by faith and not by sight not always looking for tangible things but believing God and what he says but they didn't do that and so that whole generation never got into the land. All the people that were of accountable age died off before eventually they went into the promised land, all except two, Joshua and a man called Caleb. They were the two spies that brought back a proper report. And remember that Caleb said, let's go up now. There's nothing stopping us. But the rest said no. We used to say, Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh were the only two that ever got through to the land of milk and honey. <laughs> they were the only two, Joshua and Caleb. And this, this, this is a solemn warning to us that we should take God at his word. And walk by faith and not by sight. We had to rush things through a bit last week at the end, didn't we? Well, I, I, I thought we did. And I thought that it would be better for us to look back a little bit at what we said last week and elaborate a little bit on it because we just didn't fully give it justice last week about walking by faith. You know, at the end of a service, it's always nice to talk about what we've been talking about. And it, it, it's good. Last week we, we chatted for a while about what we've been saying as we were speaking. And it gives an opportunity for, for you or others to, 
bring in their ideas that God has given them and it's encouraging for everybody when we hear other people's ideas and things and we discussed about walking by faith briefly last week and if we could get the fundamental principle of walking by faith and not by sight into our minds it you know, would revolutionize the way we think about our families about our church life and our own life walking by faith and not always looking for tangible evidence trust God and take him at his word it's that important and I've been thinking about this all week and I was just saying that and I want to just really emphasize what we said last week a little bit more this week Israel as they went through the, through the wilderness they failed miserably in their walking by faith they failed they failed for not going into the promised land that was their first failure and you know as we said last week it was 38 years before they got back to to be ready to go back into the promised land 38 wasted years we, we went on and we looked how when they did get into the promised land they didn't walk by faith they had a, they, God was leading them God uh, gave them judges and, and prophets Samuel and others to, to lead them and talk with them and they had the, the tabernacle there in, in, in the center of it all God's presence was there but that wasn't enough for them they wanted a king they wanted a king like everybody else they wanted somebody that they could see instead of just God's word and God's presence and they said in 1 Samuel 8 that we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles they wanted to be like everybody else they wanted to have a king and you know Samuel told them all the problems that they would have if they had a king and they said no we want a king and Samuel was very hurt and he went to God and he prayed and he said they've rejected me and God said no they haven't rejected you they've rejected me because they wanted a human person to lead them and not God it's very sad the word of God and the presence of God was not enough for them anymore they wanted to be like the people around about and that's our problem sometimes we want to be like everybody else but then the Bible says Christians should be different it says we're a peculiar people and that doesn't mean we're odd although some of us are odd but it does mean that we're different we should be separate people should recognize that we have been with Jesus and when Israel seek, seek to walk by faith and they, they, they wanted a, another king here's what God said about them he says they have rejected me that I should not reign over them when they wanted to walk by sight and not by faith God said they've rejected me they've rejected me they don't want me to reign over them that was very sad God had brought them out of Egypt God had led them through the wilderness God had brought them into the promised land God had given and fulfilled all the promises that he said he would fulfill on their behalf and then he said they've rejected me they don't want me to reign over them if I'm not walking by faith if I am trusting other things rather, rather than the word of God will God say of me you have rejected me 
You don't want me to reign over you. It's as serious as that. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. God has promised us his indwelling spirit. We can't see the Holy Spirit. But by faith we have accepted Christ into our lives and he is dwelling within us. Paul says it, doesn't he? Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honour and glory and praise forevermore. Immortal, invisible, God only wise, from light inaccessible, hid from our eyes. We have faith to believe that that is true. God dwells within us. Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. God with us. That was the wonderful thing about Christmas time. That the baby came down. God with us. And God came. And he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to live amongst us. And when he, when he was leaving this world and when he, he said to his disciples, I will send the comforter that he may abide with you forever. Oh, you say it was easier for the disciples. They had the Lord Jesus there. But they doubted as well. Thomas said, oh, unless I see the scars, unless I put my hand. He wanted something tangible. He's just like us. But we are told we have to live by faith and not by sight. You know, in the world today, we have all these American evangelists and these others who are doing signs and wonders. And the people see these miracle healings and all that kind of stuff. All that appeals to the, the senses of man, the, 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 the material senses, the human senses, which we're living on a different plane. We should be living in the spiritual world. And they say to these people, doctrine isn't important. Oh no, forget all about doctrine. The thing is, look at these healings. Look at these signs and wonders. That's not where we're to live by faith and not by sight. You know, doctrine is important. Doctrine is, there were people who would say that doctrine is not important. They say doctrine divides people up. It does divide people up. But do you know what Jesus said? He said, I have not come to bring peace. I've come as a sword. I'm going to divide families up. People are going to, to, to be divided because of believing in me. You know, it's... When the people saw Jesus speaking, they were astonished. Not only by the miracles he did, but do you know what they were astonished by? It says, and they were astonished, Luke 4.32, they were astonished at his doctrine. They were astonished at the doctrine he preached. For his word was with power. Oh, it wasn't the doctrine of the Pharisees. It wasn't the doctrine of, of those teachers of the law who had made it all so difficult for the people. They brought in all these regulations. No, his doctrine came from above. Jesus answered them in John 7, uh, 16 and 17. My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Acts 2, 42. It says, and they continued, the people who were saved on that, on that day of Pentecost and afterwards, it says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. They, they continued in the teaching that the apostles had given them. It's important. 
Romans 16 verse 17. Now I beseech you brethren mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. It says if people are not going to go by the doctrine of the word of God avoid them. Avoid them. Have nothing to do with them. That's strong words isn't it? Paul writing to young Timothy in 1st Timothy 1 3 as I besought thee to abide at Ephesus stay at Ephesus uh, when I went into Macedonia Paul went into Macedonia remember the, the, he'd seen that vision of come over and help us and he'd gone into Macedonia we saw that a few weeks ago and he said stay there in Ephesus Timothy why that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine the Bible has a lot to say about doctrine Second Timothy 4 3 and this is, this is where the crux is. People say, oh, don't worry about doctrine. Doctrine ties you up. Doctrine, by, it's important. It says, the time will come. Paul writing to Timothy again. He says, the time will come that they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Oh, he says, you're going to get teachers who come along and they're not going to worry about doctrine. They say, forget about doctrine. Give them something that is pleasing to their ears it will satisfy their ears but it won't satisfy their hearts that's the thing John even the gospel the, the man who spoke so much about love and everything in 2nd John 1 verse 9 whoever transgresses and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God he that abideth in the doctrine of Christ he hath both the Father and the Son I'm just labouring that point a bit why do churches go astray? Why do we have all these Toronto things and all the rest of it? Why? Because they forsake doctrine. That's what it is. They forsake the doctrine of Scripture. Let's go on. Last week, we also briefly looked at Gideon. You know, I used to love Gideon when I was a kid. Uh, all the stories of Gideon, how he... he, he, he had all these thousands of people and then he, they, he narrowed it down God kept narrowing it down he thought he had all these 30 or so odd thousand people and then he said go and make them all drink at the river and the ones that drank like this they, some of those were sent home and the others were and he all got down to about 300 people he was a wonderful character wonderful man but you know there's also a lesson we have to learn sadly from Gideon we saw that he was a mighty man of valor he's mentioned in Hebrews as a list of all the people who, who were very faithful who walked by faith and in that there are people that you wouldn't think should be in it but they're in that list God has put people like Samson in it and things but Gideon was one of the ones he stands out as a, as a great man of faith but you know early on God chose him and God spoke to him and, and, and showed him uh, some miracles he did miracles to, to show to Gideon that he had picked him out as a special person and God said you're the one you're the one that's going to, to re re release release Israel from all the problems they're in under the control of the enemy and you're going to, re you're going to I'm going to use you to release them from the enemy and Gideon must have been amazed when God spoke to him he says I'm the least my father's house is the, is the smallest it's of no importance and, I'm, and in that house I'm the least of them you picked the wrong man no God says I've picked you I've picked you're the one someday we look at the whole story of Gideon I think it'll be a long time away but you know 
God told him to do something. And he, he was very brave. He knocked down all the idols, the, the, the grove where the, the Baal was worshipped. And he did amazing things. But he seemed to have a lapse in his faith at one time. Just lapsed. His faith in God wasn't as strong. Now, we, if we put ourselves in Gideon's shoes... I don't know what we'd have done, but that's not the that's not the point of this. That's not the point I want to bring out. He did, he did seem to have a lapse in his faith. And listen, God, he said to God, and Gideon said to God in Judges six thirty six and thirty seven, "If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool on the floor, and if the dew be on the fleece only." And it be dry on all the earth around. Then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand as thou hast said. God, he says to God, if thou wilt save Israel by my hand as thou hast said. You know, as thou hast said. Then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. He's admitting that God had said it. And he's saying to God, you've said it, but I don't believe you. I want proof. I want you to, to do a little miracle. Now as I said, the enormity of the task facing Gideon was, was, was great. And I don't know how we'd have coped. I'd have been looking for miracles, I'm sure. If I'd have been. But that's not the point. You see, the, the Bible says the stories in the Old Testament are written. In Romans 15, verse 4, it says, The things that are written aforetime were written for our learning. We look at the lives of the Old Testament prophets. We're not saying that we'd have done any better. A lot of us have done so much worse. But those stories are also written so that we can learn from them through patience and comfort of the scriptures. And by looking at them, we might have hope. They're, they're there. We're meant to study the lives of these people. And through their lives, we can get hope. We can see how God can work in our lives. You see, Gideon said, if, if, he allowed the if of doubt to creep in. And it's so easy for us to allow the if of doubt to creep into our lives. He said, if, if you've chosen me, as you've said, if. And you know, when, when, when Jesus, when our blessed Lord, was in the wilderness and he was tempted by Satan. What did Satan say? If, if thou be the Son of God. He was casting doubt on whether Jesus was the Son of God. If, if thou be the Son of God. Then, all you have to do is to prove it. And we don't believe. Command these stones to be made bread. If thou be the Son of God, cast yourself off the temple. 
if thou wilt fall down and worship me, I'll give you all the lands, all the, 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 the world. Satan said, if, if, beware of ifs, the if of doubt. God, our Lord Jesus Christ, answered Satan by the word of God, didn't he? Through the word of God. Let us ever be ready to counter the seeds of doubt by the fruit of the Spirit and the word of God. Let us steep ourselves in the word of God so that when Satan comes to tempt us with the if of doubt, we can counter him through the word of God. All scriptures, First, Second Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Let us be immersed in the word of God and the doctrine of the apostles. The doctrine of the apostles, what's written in scripture, is the word of God. And let us not stray away from that. Psalm 119, the psalmist, and this, then we start thinking about today's. Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Hide God's word in your heart. And that's what he says, that I might not sin against thee. Now let's turn to, to Mark. And, and following that on, what we were just saying, I, I wanted to preface it with those remarks because this, and this follows on. Uh, we're not going on to a different, completely different subject. We're, we're following on the idea of living by faith, uh, walking by faith, and now living by faith. Living by faith. We have to walk by faith and live our lives every day by faith. And let's read the story in Mark chapter 8. And we just read the first nine verses. In those days the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat. Jesus called his disciples unto him and saith unto them. I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days. And have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way, for divers of them came from far. Another place he said that they were like sheep without a shepherd. And his disciples answered him, From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? And he asked them, How many loaves have ye? And they said seven. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and gave thanks and broke. And gave to his disciples to set before them. And they did set them before the people. And they had a few small fishes. And he blessed and commanded to set them also before them. So they did eat and were filled. And they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets these were baskets the men carried in their uh, kind of uh, on, on their persons for uh, journey and they had that uh, and they that had eaten were about 4,000 and he sent them away and straightway he entered into a ship and his disciples and came into the parts of Dalmathura How do we seek to carry out the Master's will? That's something we always ask us. How can we fulfill the will of God in our lives? What is the Christian's duty in this world? 
What is my duty as I go about as a Christian in the world? It's to be a channel. A channel through whom God and the glorious gospel may be transmitted to others. It says, in those days, no, it says from the heart. We want to transmit from what is in God's heart and the heart of Christ to the needy world. That's what we want to do. Transmit what God would have the world to know. You see, we have, it says in, in, in Scripture, we've been given the mind of Christ. And it is our duty to share what he has given to us with the lost souls around us. We don't speak what we have in our own minds. We, can't, we have nothing to give people of ourselves. And you know, Jesus even, when he was down on earth, he said in John 14.10, Believe us now not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. He spoke what his Father wanted him to speak. That's what he did. That was what he did. He spoke what God wanted him to speak. And we should be channels through whom God can speak out. You know, there was a lovely old hymn years ago. We haven't sung it for a long, long time. How I praise thee, precious Saviour, that thy love laid hold on me. Thou hast saved and cleansed and filled me, that I might thy channel be. Emptied that thou shouldest fill me. A clean vessel in thy hand, with no power, but as thou givest, graciously with each command. Witnessing thy power to save me, setting free from self and sin, thou who boughtest to possess me, in thy fullness, Lord, come in. Jesus, fill now with thy spirit hearts that full surrender know, that the streams of living water from our inner self may flow. Channels only, blessed Master, but with all thy wondrous power flowing through us, thou canst use us every day and every hour. Channels only, blessed Master. He wants to flow through us out to a world. You know, we were thinking about life in the wilderness, weren't we? In the, in the wilderness, as the Israelites went through that barren wilderness. And it is in the wilderness that today's passage that we've read, it was in the wilderness that Jesus was out in the wilderness talking to these people. It says it. Out in the wilderness. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat. There was nothing for them to eat in the wilderness. Unlike the wilderness of old, there was nothing to, dis to sustain this multitude out in the wilderness. And we've been talking about that in numbers all the time, haven't we? But you see, the great thing here was Jesus was there in the wilderness with these people. You know, these same disciples, a few chapters earlier, had seen Jesus feeding the, the 5,000. And he called them, it says, to him. Now Jesus could have fed the 5,000 without the disciples doing a thing. 
of the 4,000 in this particular case. He could have fed the vast multitude, but he graciously wanted to include, he wanted to tell and give his disciples a lesson. He wanted to include his followers to be channels of blessing to the people around him. He had compassion on the multitude, and he wanted that compassion also to be channeled through his disciples. Do you get it? Therefore he says to them, I have compassion on the multitude. He had compassion on the multitude because they have been with me three days and have nothing to eat and if I send them away fasting to their own house they faint by the way. He had compassion on them. And compassion is a word which always makes you do something. If you have compassion on something and you really feel that you have compassion for somebody you're, it's, it's a positive word. You have to do something about it. Pity is different. If you pity them, if you pity somebody, well, you pity them, but that's about it. But if you have compassion for them, it's, a, it's an active word, isn't it? He wanted them to feel his compassion. You know, we used to sing a chorus that's in that book. Soften my heart, Lord, soften my heart. From all indifference, set me apart. To feel thy compassion. To weep with thy tears. Soften my heart, Lord. Soften my heart. That's it, isn't it? We need to have the compassion that God has. To feel his compassion. To weep with his tears. We need that in order to be useful channels. You know, only a channel through which water flows freely can be of any practical use. If a channel is all blocked up, and, and, and the water doesn't get through it's, it's useless the only way we can be channels of God's love and Christ's compassion is by being close to the fountain of living water the closer we are to him the clearer will be the channel his Holy Spirit flowing through us we used to sing that chorus running over, running over my cup's full and running over the channel is full, flowing out to others. Jesus speaking, he said, He that believeth me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water, out to others. Heart attacks are called, caused when the channels in our bodies are all furred up and blocked. And the blood can't get through and the patient is listless and tired. And, and near death many Christians wonder why their life is and their witness is stagnant it's the problem of the heart you've got heart problems my heart is not right with God the psalmist said in Psalm 16 verse 8 I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand I shall not be moved therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth, my flesh also shall rest in hope. And then in Psalm 26, this is a good one. Psalm 26 verse 2, they're all good, but this one is very apt. Examine me, examine me, O Lord, and prove me, try my reins and my heart. A spiritual ECG. He says here, examine my heart, examine my heart. Oh, ask God to examine your heart this morning. A 
It's a very deep thought when you think of it, that our blessed Lord wants to channel His love, His thoughts, His compassion through you and through me. Are we prepared? Are we prepared to be clear, clear channels? You know, His disciples hadn't learned the lesson. Even though they had seen the 5,000 being fed, they still asked the question in verse 4 it says and his disciples answered him from whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness how like us we constantly look at the problems of the wilderness and the possibility of sustenance from the world where where how can that be you know, we, we always look around us at the problems, but we're not looking at God. That's the problem. We take our eyes off the Master. Here was, they were with the Lord Jesus who had fed 5,000 people with five barley loaves and two small fishes. And they were saying, oh, where on earth can we buy? You see, they were right. They couldn't buy anything in the wilderness that would feed those people. There was nothing in the wilderness to feed those people. And there's nothing in the wilderness to feed the hungry souls out in the world. The only person that can feed them is the bread of life, the Lord Jesus Christ. Where, will we, where can a man satisfy these men with bread? The answer was nowhere. Nothing from the wilderness. Jesus is still the only answer. To the satisfying of the hungry soul. But you see Christ was there. In the wilderness with these people. And that was the solution. And you know Moses asked the same question. We saw that a few weeks ago. And that's why I, I, I'm talking about this this morning. Moses when he was. Presented by the, the children of Israel. They wanted flesh to eat. And Moses do you know what he asked. He said. Whence should I have flesh. To give all these people. He asked the same question. Where can I get flesh to feed all these people? And God wonderfully brought in quails and all the rest of it. We know the story. You see, as soon as I start to live by sight, I see all the problems. But if I'm living by faith, the problems of the desert don't, don't arise. May we keep our channels open to the cleansing flow from our blessed Lord and allow His love and his compassion and his peace to flow through us. We used to sing, cleanse me from my sin, Lord. Put thy power within, Lord. Take me as I am and make me all thine own. Keep me day by day underneath thy sway. Make my heart thy palace and thy royal throne. We walk by faith and now we're going to look at walking, living by faith. Living by faith. It won't be much longer. I'm not John, Romans 1, 16 and 17. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the glad tidings Paul sent. He, he, he had left all his, his Jewish uh, rituals behind. And he says, no, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is God's power to salvation to everyone that believes, both the Jew first and the Greek. For righteousness of God is revealed therein. On the principle of faith. On the principle of faith to faith according as it is written the just shall live by faith the great thing that the reformation came about the just shall live by faith 
we should live our lives, it's saying, on the principles of faith. And you know, we often think missionaries, they go out and they live in faith. Gladys Aylworth and all these people, they live by faith. We think that's the kind of life missionaries should have. But you know, it's not only missionaries. You and I have to live our lives by faith. The psalmist in Psalm 62 verse 5 he says, My soul, wait thou upon God. No, it doesn't say that. It says, wait thou only upon God. Only upon God. Not on man, not on anything else. For my expectation is from him. He will provide all our needs. He will help us to live by faith. Wait thou only upon God. That's the secret. We, you know, sometimes we run around. I looked his last night or the night before. We run around like headless chickens sometimes, don't we? We, we? we get into a problem and we go around everybody asking for advice. Seeking comfort in all sorts of places. And looking for peace of heart and mind. That's what we've been talking about earlier. People looking for peace of heart and mind. And we look and we ask people's advice. You know, we have the wonderful counsellor. Christmas we, we repeat that so often. Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father. We have the wonderful counselor. We have the God of all comfort. We have the Prince of Peace. We have the one who has promised to keep our hearts and minds in peace. We have the one who has given us his peace. We have the only one who will keep us in perfect peace. Whose minds are stayed, whose minds are leaning on him by trusting in him. Why do we look elsewhere? Because we refuse to live by faith. That's it. We don't take God at his word. What does God say about any who are not to pre prepared to live by faith? What does God say about you and me who are not prepared to live by faith? Well here's what he said in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 17 verse 5 and 6 he says. Thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his arm, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He says, Cursed is the man who puts his faith in man and not in me. And this is what his life is going to be like. He says, He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness. In an uninhabited salt land. Look at these characteristics of one who, who trusts partially or wholly on man and not on God. He's like a shrub in the desert, all dried up. Not producing any fruit. He shall not see any good, good come. His future looks bleak and bad. He shall not receive any advantage by coming rain because he's no roots. He's shrub, he's all shriveled up. Such as persons who do not receive any good by the pure administration of the word of God. They're not, in the, they're not trusting God. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness. In an uninhabited salt land. You know, if you try and grow anything on salt ground, it, it's useless. It won't grow. Nothing will grow. It won't produce anything. And that's what, pe that's what God says these people are going to be like. If we don't walk by faith, if we put our faith and trust in man instead of in him, we're going to be all shriveled up, we're going to be fruitless, we're going to be useless. 
And you know, that literally did happen to Israel. They, they, they became fruitless. It could happen to me. And there's no growth in salt. Our lives become barren, fruitless and lonely. Again, what does the psalmist say? My soul wait thou only upon God. But then go on in, in that uh, chapter in, uh, in Jeremiah. 17 and verse, uh, the, the next verse, verse 7. Blessed is the man. Now he says, that's what it's like if you don't trust me. If you don't walk by faith. But if you do walk by faith. Whose trust is in the Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Whose trust is in the Lord. It's completely different. He says, in verse 8, he is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes for its leaves remain green and he is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. What a contrast from a shriveled up little plant in the middle of the desert not doing any good to anybody, not producing anything. God says, it's going to be different. He's going to be like a tree planted by water. You know, we used to have uh, a river at the bottom of the garden. The trees that were down there, they, they grew well. Because their, their roots were down into, the, into the, the, the watery soil. It sends its roots out into the stream, into the living water. It does not fear when the heat comes. No, because the roots are down deep. The heat doesn't affect them. The leaves remain green. Do you want to be evergreen? Do you want to be an evergreen? Not a deciduous plant with your leaves falling off. Then that's what this man was going to do. He's going to be an evergreen. He's not anxious in the year of drought. No, it doesn't affect him because his roots are way down deep into the, the, the rich soil underneath where the water is. And he does not cease to, cease to bear fruit. Oh, if I'm not bearing fruit, watch out. Tick off those items which apply to you, whether you're, whether you're in the first lot or the second lot. Would the God that we'd all take this, this seriously. Just very briefly now. So, so often, you know, we talk about our dependence upon God, don't we? We, we say, God will meet a certain need. I have a project laid on my heart and I, I have the thoughts of that and I need uh, God to provide for that thing, uh, finance or something. As soon as I make that need known to somebody else, I'm not living by faith. That's the principle. And departing from the life of faith. We must trust solely on God for things. Not on man. You can ask people to pray for a problem which you have, but as soon as you start sharing that you need so-and-so, you're not living by faith. If God is truly the initiator and source of a, of, of a project, or whatever, he is the one and the only one to whom I should look to for provision. Now that doesn't make sense. Sure it doesn't. It's not logical. Oh, tell a whole lot of people and they'll give you money for it. But that's not, what, that's not living by faith. If it's God's project, if God has put it into place, God will provide. And listen, let's move on. You know, we get we, George Muller, that wonderful guy who, who ran children's homes in, in Bristol. That's the way he lived. He presented it all to God and God provided. 
That's the way these people who went out as early missionary pioneers, they didn't have a whole lot of people behind them. They went out in faith and God provided. But it's not only missionaries, it's our own lives, day by day, that we need to live like that. You know, we get, we get reports and we get prayer letters in from societies and they, they look more like something coming from a secular charity and they look more like Reader's Digest sometimes. They're not living by faith. They're hoping that people will provide. God will provide. Am I living by faith? Here's finally. Galatians, Paul says, Galatians 2.20, he said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the secret. It is only when my self, my, my selfishness, myself, is crucified, is put to death. And I am living in close contact with my Lord, my Saviour. It's only then that it's possible for me to live by faith.